This is 400 Plus. I'm Mark Sims. My guest is 20th Ward Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor of the City of Chicago. How are you, Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor? I'm good, Mark. How are you? No, I, I am so happy here. Before we got on the show, before we started recording, we did a podcast earlier, and this is the second podcast, you talked about your asthma attack. So tell me about your yeah. asthma attack. I mean, in the audience, real quick. So, yeah. I haven't had an asthma attack since cash money records took over for the 9-9-2000, which was 21 years ago. And so Wednesday after city council and a um, protest I went to for one fair wage because the sub-minimum wage in the state of Illinois is $2.13. And normally the people who service food are women of color and people of color, and they have the highest rates of sexual harassment. And so for $2.13, and I hope that you're going to pay me a tip when we're in a global pandemic. <clears throat> as tired as I was at the city council, I couldn't miss it. Um, I'm 46 years old. I was sitting on my porch, and there was an active shooter driving his car, shooting up my street, and I couldn't get my key out fast enough to get in my home. Um, my daughter's car window got shot. gentleman who was picking up his two boys, he laid on top of them, and they shot up his car. And there was a car with a, a, a woman and a man in it. seemed like a mother and a son that was caught in the crossfire. And in my 46 years, I've never been part of an active shooting ever in my life. You know, you hear gunshots. You hear about somebody getting shot. You even hear about somebody getting killed. I've never seen it for myself. And so that caused me to go into some traumatic trauma and ultimately caused me to have an asthma attack where I had to go to the emergency room. And so I'm, I'm so working from home today. <laughs> but I'm so glad you're doing a podcast after mad asthma attack and almost getting shot and killed. I mean, it's, it's you are a true um, servant of the people. So let me ask my question. Mm-hmm. You can chime on it. The question, all, all the women, Jeanette Taylor, and you talked about the crime in, in your in your ward. Mm-hmm. Why should working class or middle class? African Americans, because this is four hundred plus African Americans. Yeah, are working poor, or you know, uh, why should they move to the twentieth ward of the city of Chicago? Because we have, first of all, we have beautiful Washington Park. We have the DuSable Museum. We're about to be close to the Obama Presidential Center. We have local business owners who live right in our community. We have a bunch of community organizations who roll their sleeves up and work with us. We have churches. Um, I have a Parkway Garden Church for Pastor Morris. Um, I got a bunch of great churches amongst the community, Baptist, Catholic, you name it. Um, I got community members who come to my office and say, what do you need? What could I do? How do I help you? And so with a community like that, a community that you say don't, don't care about each other, don't take care of each other. And I represent Woodline, Washington Park, Back of the Yard, New City, uh, Inglewood, and Greater Grand Crossing. I, I I got the best set of folks in the world, and I wouldn't trade them for anything. Because even my Spanish-speaking constituents, who I have to get a translator for, come in my office and say, what do you need? How could I help you? How? And that's what community organizing is all about. And I'm not a politician. I'm a community organizer. And so they, they let me know where the good parts are, what needs improvement what their thoughts are about helping me. They don't just be like, you need to do, I need you to do. It's not that relationship. And even when I'm worn out because justice doesn't move fast enough, 
my community reminds me of why I'm here. So that's why you should move to the 20th Ward, because we're a community worth being in, and we work together. I say that because when someone wants to, you know, they have to move or they're trying to move or relocate or whatever, they say, is the first they say, can I afford to live in this neighborhood? Then they might say after that, uh, will my family be safe in this neighborhood? Correct. And, and so, so we're working toward that. I know you're work, working toward that. Of course, of course, the pu- public schools. I was shocked to find out when we talked off the phone the other day that you only have one public high public school. High school public yeah. high school in your war i'm not saying i'm not dissing charter schools and all that kind of good stuff but the, but the you know, but the but the what i'm saying though is that will my son and daughter get a quality education in a school that is safe uh in the 20th ward yes because while i personally would choose charter schools for myself what i see at these charter schools is people actively trying to work with each other see the problem is we don't have institutions that put young people first. There's a saying in Finland that says you get the child ready for the school, but you really got to get the school ready for the child. And the educators that I've worked with in the 20th Ward that I met, that I had to explain to, um, that, well, I don't believe in charter schools, y'all are crazy. If y'all let me get off not working with y'all, I don't get to choose in this space. I don't get to choose who I work with. My job and my responsibility, I'm paid to represent the constituents of the 20th Ward, and that's all of them. I don't get to pick and choose who, or I'm not going to help you because I don't like you, or I don't believe in your institution. No, it's my responsibility and my duty to work with everybody. And the institutions that serve the young people in my community have rolled up their sleeves. They tell me what they need, and I actively go get it for them. Ain't no questions about it, charter or public. I believe in public schools all day long. I came, I'm a a product of Chicago public schools. <laughs> and so I believe in parent choice. But as a parent, I chose not to, and I've had experience with all of the schools. I've had kids in alternative schools. I had a son at therapeutic day schools. My daughter went to the, one of the first small schools, and I know what works and doesn't work. I got five kids. I'm not talking because of what I think. I'm telling you me and my children's lived experience. Uh, and so any institutions work way better when parents are actively involved and these schools are allowing that to happen. And when they don't, they got to come talk to all the women with Taylor about why. I mean, I mean, I know you, I'm, I'm not pro charter uh, or against charter, although I sent my son and daughter to a charter high school. And only and the main reason was when I walked in the building, it was quiet and safe and I can talk to the administration. And if I had a problem, they fixed it. When I was in the uh, traditional schools, when they went to grammar school, I didn't, I didn't, ha- I didn't feel the, uh, as welcomed, if you will, and heard and respected mm-hmm. in the uh, in the in, tr- in the traditional school. So uh, I say that because uh, here across the country, not just Chicago, we have a reading problem, we have a literacy problem, and I hope if I get mm-hmm. a chance to talk to Lori Lightfoot, you probably will before I do, is that whoever they bring in to run these schools, you know, we're going to get a new CEO and a new uh, mm-hmm. chief education officer. I want them really focused on literacy because I struggle reading in school and it's cost me about two or three million dollars in lifetime earnings. And I don't I struggle to read now. And so the point is that people struggle to read. And, and, and the other public schools, your schools and your, and your ward and hopefully the mayor will address this can really solve the literacy problem. People that can't read or don't like to read or just struggle reading. You think that's going to be an emphasis emphasis uh, for the mayor in the next two years? Oh, she gets these new that people coming aboard. But that's not only her. That's also 
at the federal level, Arnie Duncan was the head of the education department. What qualifies Arnie Duncan for that job? I'll wait. And that's because this country puts an emphasis on testing. That's the problem with the whole entire education system. Think about this. Children born past 1995, a lot of them don't know how to curse right. Every child that I've ever had an after-school program in, and my own children and niece and nephew can all curse rightly. Why is that? Because that's something that their grandmother and their mother wanted them to learn. And so we got to get back to education and not to this thing of test-taking. Schools have become test factories. Think about this. They use third-grade scores to decide how many prisons they're going to build. And at third grade, you still might be peeing in the bed. You still, you, you know nothing about yourself. You're still a sponge. But we would take those young, we would test those young people, put them in a hostile place, and have them test. And then when they do bad, say, oh, you're just going to go to jail. We're not invested in young people. We invested in taking tests. When I was a kid, we did the Iowa test of basic skill. And you would be ashamed to get anything on your grade level. And I never got on my grade level. Why? Because I had real educators who not only loved me and nurtured me, but took the time out with me. When I was struggling, I lost my father when I was 13 years old in school on Christmas Day. Imagine how my life felt at that time. And so we got to get back to the system of being able to stand on each other's shoulders, but also listening to the folks who have the educational and street sense. Our teachers lived in our community. I saw them at the store. My teachers, my mother was a, my mother was a PTA mom, and she actually would start started off that way and became the CPS clerk. And my teacher would see her every other weekend. She'd be like, you know, Jeanette talk. That's all she do. She do her work. I can't complain. She's really smart. But she talks too bad on much. See where it's got me. No, I lost you. But that foundation put me here. Uh, I was th- when you were talking, I was thinking about uh, people criticizing what we're saying. Because <laughs> they'll say, listen here, uh, all the women, Jeanette Taylor and Mark Sims, you got these bad but kids from these bad but parents, these unruly students, these disruptive students, and there's only so much we can do with those type of students. So, but I that's mean, because we ain't co-parenting. Tell me how many teachers call parents at the beginning. Mark, this ain't a talk they want to have with me because I'm the one to have it with. How many teachers at the beginning of the year take the time to call all their parents and build that relationship at the beginning? I'll wait. They don't. And so when you build a relationship at the beginning, that tells me two things, that you're not only an educator, but you care about what's going on in my child's life. So my child can't come home and tell me, Miss Taylor hit me. Well, if Miss Taylor hit you, you was doing something. What you, tell me what you did. Ain't no I'm coming up to the school to cuss you out. Ain't no I'm coming up to the school going off on you because me and you have a relationship. We talk on a consistent basis. I check in with you. I text you. But see, we don't got time for that because y'all too busy beating up on teachers talking about some, your, your kids in test mail so we trying to fire you. And so we got education all wrong. So don't give me that, these bad kids. Because there were a bunch of kids when I was growing up who parents on drugs. But they had the people in the community who helped take care of them and the people at the school. 80% of my time was spent at a school. So that's my child's other parent. Period. If we look at this in a community-based way, if we look at this in a way that communities actually work, and this is what they do in white communities, if we want to be technical, and it came from us. Because remember, at some point, we couldn't go to school. And so I'm tired of this notion about bad kids. Bad kids, you mean, where they learn their behavior from? I'll wait. 
because true, some of it might come from home, but a lot of it comes from what programming, what you put on TV. Jeanette Taylor, all the women, Jeanette Taylor, see, you're real. See, when I see, when I, whenever they get this new uh, CEO of the public schools and, and this chief education our, uh, officer of the public schools, I want them to sort of talk like you because they don't, they, I mean, most people don't want to talk about, they talk about race sometimes, but we don't like to talk about class because let's face it, let's say some average, uh, I don't know all the schools in your, in your ward, let's say the average uh, uh, grammar school, elementary school, you know, the bougie parents, I mean, bougie black parents would say, and I'm pseudo bougie. They say, oh no, I can't, my children can't go to the school with those, those ghetto children. That ain't, that ain't going on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So and that's and, the reason why you, you would send your kid, your kid can't go anywhere. I could go anywhere in this country. You hear me? I could sit in the room with a room full of teachers with master's degree and out organize every last one of them. Why? Because not only do I got school smart, I also got street smart. I wasn't afraid to go places. I'm not embarrassed about who I am. You hear me all the talk about I was I was a 19 year old mother with three kids struggling. I went to school and I worked at a I worked at H and I Block during the day and I served drinks at night and I didn't even drink to provide for my children. I'm not ashamed of that. I provided my children a decent life with the help of my community and my family. I didn't do it alone. See, we so busy trying to put up these imageries of our lives being perfect and being on straight lines. My life ain't been on a straight line ever in <clears throat> my entire life. I've been blessed. I had my mother for 67. Right before I won the election, my mother died. And I asked God, like, why would you do this to me when I'm at the point in my life that I don't know if this is where I'm supposed to be? But I felt like that because of all these labels of what we think. Like what just happened with Monique, her talking about people being at the airport with their bonnets, <coughs> house shoes and stuff on. And I put up when the Bear St. Bear's mother had on this bonnet the entire cartoon. Y'all said nothing. And people was laughing, but I was so serious. And so a mother of five, I can't be comfortable. See, we so worried about impressing people that we don't realize how we hurt people. It's what's wrong with the black church. It's why the church pews are empty and people don't believe in God anymore for this very reason. But that's not what people want to talk about, Mark. We want to just, we, we want to glancey over it and make it this picture perfect. I say Disney has ruined a lot of us because we think that we'll have one simple struggle. We'll get the good man and live happily ever after. And that's just not how life works. But we got to be able to be the destiny of our own happily ever after. And we get to decide what that is. Not this world. You ain't got a heaven or hell to put me in if that's what you believe in. Let me end this podcast because you and I can talk forever because you're a talker, I'm a talker. And I just love <laughs> listening to, to Jeanette Taylor. I can listen to you all day long. Uh, the Black Caucus. And when I'm talking, when I speak of the Black ca mm. Caucus, I'm talking about black folks. Because, you know, African Americans, is, uh, is, like, we're just like anybody else. We have class stratifications. We have, uh, you know, bourgeoisness. Mm -hmm. We tribalism. We have all of that. But I think we have a little bit more than the other people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Of course and we so, do. And we have a little, because, you know, we're descendants of the slaves. And we've been brainwashed and tricked and bamboozled. And so yeah. I say that because there's the black caucus. I, no offense. Maybe I'm missing something. I never heard. We don't them understand our power. I know. I, 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 had they come out and said, and they, had they come out and said, listen here, we're going to improve public education, and we're going to stop this crime in these black neighborhoods. What is they that? What is their focus? What What are they trying to do to make that money and, and take care of their family? Of course, you you said it. I was going to say it, but you said it. We have gotten to the place where we make six figures now, and we're not going to jeopardize our good lives for these lower-class people that we're paid to represent. That's some of their feelings. That's not mine. I don't see the people that I'm paid to represent any different than me. 
I don't care if you get a link card or not. Hell, can you give me a few link dollars? It's expensive to go to the store these days. But I'm blessed enough that I could afford it. And I don't look down on people who still have to do it. But some of these entitled Negroes forgot where they come from. And they have that, that Django Samuel Jackson complex. That's just what it is. And I hate that I have to fight with my own coworkers to get them to understand that everything that you love about America came from black people. And why is it that black people can't see that for themselves? We will sit comfortably and get on TV and say systematic racism doesn't keep us back or that this country has been good to us when it hasn't. A lot of these systems were never created to protect or help black folks or people of color. They ain't had to do it in 400 years. You think they're going to just give it up to us now because we got a few seats in Congress, because we had a black president, because we got black women um, elected officials, we got a, the, the vice president is a black woman. You think they're just going to give this up? This is about, it's us versus them. And a lot of times it's really the, the, the rich versus the poor. But of course they make us fight amongst each other. So they continue to do what they do. Continue to get rich. And let us fight and be crabs in the barrel. And so that's no different in the black caucus. There are some people that they believe that they are better than the people they are paid to represent. And you can tell in the way they vote. You can tell in the actions that they take. Well, all the women, Jeanette that's Taylor, uh, we can talk forever, but I can't. <laughs> we are the end of the podcast. But you take good care of that asthma and your health. I Stay will. strong because we need you in the city council for at least the next 8, 10, 20 years. And hopefully no, 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 no. <laughs> you get two more times out of me. That's it. No, 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 no. My mentor, Judge John Steele, told me, you need an exit plan and you can't be in this forever. And I understood exactly what he said after my first year being in office. Justice doesn't move fast enough. You'll get frustrated with your coworkers. And I don't want to bring that angriness or that sense of dreadfulness to my home. So, nope. Y'all got two more times out of me and I'm done. Young people need to take this home. You can't be like the black church. Pastor been there for 99 years. When he died, nobody runs the church and the church collapsed. No ma'am, no ham, no turkey, no spice.